So you meet someone, they're kind of similar, and the same red flag comes up. And so you have a choice now. You can say, okay, yeah, I'm going to fall into the same pattern and like fool me once, shame (laughs) on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of situation. Or you can look this person straight in the eye and be like, "Mm, yeah, thank you, next. We're going to pass on that one. Welcome back, Heartbreakers. Today, I have another amazing guest, Liana Pavane. She is the host of Ghosts of Dates Past, and it was a really great recording with her, and we actually also recorded on her podcast yesterday. So I got to be a guest on her show, which by the nature of the topics that she covers is just kind of a vulnerable experience because She focuses a lot on breakup etiquette. So both when you're the person being broken up with and also when you are the person ending the relationship. And I got to have a lot of vulnerable reflection because I've talked about my first relationship on this show, but I've never actually shared the moment that I kind of realized it might be over and how things unraveled from there. And I get into it on her show not going to go into all of it here because after you finish this show, you should definitely find her podcast and listen to my episode there. It's coming out the same week. So it's the perfect back-to-back binge listen. And in case you needed any more incentive, for those of you who haven't heard the infamous Chuck E. Cheese date story, I opened the episode with that. So we are just coming out of the gate really hot, really vulnerable. And yeah, I think you'll definitely enjoy it. So excited to dive in with Liana. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. Today, I have a woman who does it all. I have Liana Pavane. He heads partnerships at Jiggy Puzzles by day, and by night, she is an event and podcast host. She's the founder of TTYL and Ghosts of Dates Past. She was born and raised in New York City, and she is passionate about tech-life balance, self-ships, which we're going to talk about a little bit, and human connection overall. Liana, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Leslie. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I am so excited too. And I feel like you have such a great backstory to your podcast. And I feel like, you know, overall, like whenever anyone is inspired to start a dating podcast, it's not because they're like, I've been married to my high school sweetheart and I've never experienced any drama. And I've only observed dating culture from afar. It's like, usually because someone has gone through their own dating trials and tribulations and they took away some lessons from that that like inspired them to then talk about the topic. So I would love if you could share with the listeners, what experience did you have that inspired you to begin openly talking about ghosting, dating etiquette, et cetera? Love it. Yes. Happy to dive into the vulnerable stuff. So I was in my first relationship. I think Leslie and I talked about this. We share this late bloomer dating life. And I was in my first relationship when I was 24. So only a couple of years ago. And we dated for about four months until the pandemic hit. So two months or so was in the beginning of the pandemic. And we were separated, quarantining separately. He picked me up 
and drove me to his parents that I met for the first time and met all his friends. Things were going pretty well. I definitely had, as one does, like having issues, doing the whole long distance thing early in a relationship wasn't easy. But then he drove me to the city to meet my parents for the first time. Five days later, calls me up and breaks up with me over the phone for absolutely no reason. He had no explanation. And then I did what any sane person would do and started dating again really quickly. Probably not the best idea when you're living with your parents and secretly going out of your apartment during a pandemic to meet up with random strangers in New York oh City. But that is literally what I did because I didn't want to face the reality and the hard truth of what I went through and uncover my demons and just face, yeah, just face my inner world more. So I was dating, 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 ended up getting ghosted numerous times to which later on I realized was because I was attracting a lot of the wrong energy. And so it was actually a really good friend of mine that said to me, you know, Liana, if dating isn't fun for you anymore, you can take a break. And it was such a light bulb moment for me because I really love dating and I love meeting new people, but it's something that in our society feels like an obligation rather than a recreation. And so I decided to take his advice and I went cold turkey, so to speak, off the dating apps, deleted them off my phone for eight months and delved into what I call a self-ship, which I'm sure we'll get into. But that is essentially what prompted me to start the podcast. Oh my gosh. There's so much to dive into. I cannot wait. But one thing I love that you said is that dating feels like an obligation, not recreation. And that resonates with me so much. And so for anyone listening, I was also on Liana's podcast and I talked about how I have gone through a lot of dating burnout. And I won't bore my listeners with that because they've heard it a million times. But essentially, like I never took a full break. Like I remember you asked me like, oh, so did you stop using the apps? And I think the logical answer would be, yeah, of course, I cut it cold turkey. But I never did. I just kind of pulled back because I felt like I had to be on them. And part of it was, I remember when I was actually in a relationship and I had some single coworkers specifically, like I remember who these women are, like they stand out because they were single and they were all catches in their own right. I'm like, they're beautiful. They're amazing at their jobs. They have great jobs. Like they have passions and love to travel and have fun hobbies. And they're really funny, but they were single. And this group of women in particular, they all had a common thread where they would be like, yeah, I just don't like the dating app. So I'm not really using them. And I was like, well, that is the only explanation as to why these women could be single because they're great. And so I just resolved to myself, I'm not going to do that. Like if I become single and I have to date again, then I'm really going to put myself out there and make the most of it. But it's really great to take that step back because if you're putting yourself out there, but your energy is off, then like no one is going to want to date you anyway. And you're just going to keep going through the motions and that's when burnout can really start. So love that you were so conscious of that and proactive about not burning yourself out. Thanks. Yeah, it was definitely tough. When I talk about this point in my life a year ago now, it was probably some of the hardest months that I've ever had to go through. It was a lot of grieving my past and actually literally grieving because I lost two people, my grandmas in my life within the span of a month. And this all happened while I was completely not in relationships, focusing on myself. And so 
it was a super eye-opening yet painful experience that I needed to go through. And I think almost a blessing in disguise that the pandemic happened for me, at least I wouldn't have changed any of those moments or any of those times for literally anything because it just made me who I am today. And I feel like I'm more myself. I've refound myself, but in a stronger essence and started therapy with, for the first time and just really took care of my mental health and took care of my mind-body connection, I think, for the first time in my entire life. And yeah, I just, I can't say that everyone has those kinds of holistic experiences in life and they come at different points, but it was, yeah, that was mine. And it was a love-hate relationship for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. It sounds like it was very transformational and you made the most of it. And going back to the breakup itself, it is wild that you were broken up with in this manner with someone who, especially like you said, you had just met their parents and vice versa. That's insane. And I feel like it really can make you feel so self-conscious because a lot of times you're looking for these signs of validation. And I think to a lot of people, meeting each other's family is a pretty big sign of validation. Like a lot of people don't take that lightly. You would think like, okay, this is moving in the right direction. And so then for him to not have a reason, like how, like, what did he say even? I remember when he texted me, it was a Monday night of all nights. I know they already suck, right? So he texted me (laughs) that, hey, are you free to talk? And literally, mind you, we had just been, you know, the I love you. We FaceTimed on Saturday and ended the call. Everything was fine. So I just immediately felt this pit in my stomach and obviously not thinking the worst. I just assumed, okay, there's something he wants to discuss with me and something. We hadn't had a lot of tiffs, I would say, which in hindsight, I think is almost a red flag. At that point in our relationship, I feel like there almost should be more arguments. There should be more things that people are expressing or compromising on. But again, I think with the state of the world and the pandemic and stuff, we didn't really have necessarily that same opportunity. So when he called me, I really honestly don't remember the exact words he used, but I just remember feeling like the floor was shot out from underneath my feet. Just like, it was like the most insanely intense feeling I've ever felt. It was the shock of it. That was the most surprising. There was no like buildup. It was like a a rip off the bandaid sort of situation, but it felt so impersonal because I just seen him in person. And it was like, it felt like such a cop out, like not, okay, yeah, he didn't text me, but like a phone call is a way to break up with someone if you've been dating them for about a month, maybe less. Yeah. I mean, I even think at a month I would meet someone in person and just say, hey, especially if I've been seeing them every week, that's four to five dates. That's a lot of freaking time. And so for him to just not even FaceTime me, not have the balls to have said anything when we were in person or like want to make something work. And he kind of, I just asked him, I was hysterically crying and asked him why, what's the reason. And he was just like, it's, you know, the classic, I just need to figure stuff out. It's not you, it's me bullshit. And then he went into this whole, all the platitudes. I know. And then he goes into this whole thing. Oh, well, I've actually been thinking about this a lot before to which I was like, well, then why did you drive you should have driven all the way to me and had a conversation about, Hey, I'm not really sure if I have the same feelings for you anymore. 
we've spent a lot of time apart. Let's talk about it rather than sweeping me away. And it felt like I was used in a way, right? Because we both weren't with anyone for two months. We both were sexually depleted, obviously. And if he'd been feeling these feelings, it was like, wow, so you literally didn't want to be in a relationship with me. And yet you picked me up to bring me to your parents' place and just like have me as a cuddle buddy and like Netflix and chill pal for six days. And then, oh, just kidding. I actually, never mind. This doesn't work for me. It was like the wildest thing. But the craziest part was I ended up by accident leaving some clothes at his parents' place. And so he had to ship me back stuff. So after the phone call, that was about 20 minutes. I remember I, my, I was living with my parents and they came in and they were so sweet. My dad was especially actually like, it was really beautiful. What he was just like holding me and like, there'll be more men. Like, you're so amazing. Like you're worth it. Like they were just literally, I was on the floor, just like in a freaking ball. And my dad's like, we're going to go out for a walk. We're just going to get outside. My mom's like, I'm going to make dinner. It's going to be great. Like they were just so helpful and like letting me talk through and go through all my emotions and not rushing me to feel better any which way, which I'm really grateful for. And it was interesting because I feel like I never thought my first big breakup, I would be at my parents' house either for, which was kind (laughs) of a weird thing, but beautiful at the same time. And a couple, I think the next day, you know, when I was more clear headed, I wanted to hop on a call with him again and kind of just get closure because I didn't feel like there was any on my end, but he refused to do that. And so I just texted him these paragraphs and basically got the last word and said something like, you know, well, I just hope you learned your lesson and don't treat someone like this in the future sort of thing. So then he sends me this package and it has a letter in it, a handwritten letter. Oh my God. And I, I ripped it up after about a week or something, but it was just, it was the same, just ridiculous going around in circles situation where he was like, you're going to be so much better without me, blah, blah, blah. It was very honestly like self-depleting on his end. I felt like it just showed how little self-confidence he had and just really made me see like, wow, this is a really poor communicator that I'm really actually happy I don't have in my life anymore. Yeah. I feel like that's so telling of his character. And it is just kind of like, it's so shitty that you had to see that in that way. And that he put you through that to your point, like the fact that you spent six days together just makes the whole thing seem so much more sinister than I was even thinking it was. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of one of those things where you can at least look back and be like, well, I dodged a bullet and at least he did it after four months versus like, who knows how long, like six months, a year. I don't know. You just never know with people like that. So that is insane. Yeah. I also have to ask, like, what do your parents do for a living? Because I'm like, they sound like they really handled (laughs) it so beautifully. I'm like, are they therapists? Like, are they relationship counselors? (laughs) My dad's actually a patent lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) which I feel like is even funnier. And it's funny because he's definitely been more of a softy over the years. You know, my dad's over 70 and he's still working. Shouldn't be, but that's another story for another podcast. (laughs) But he, no, he, I mean, he has two daughters. So I think he's definitely been through the ringer when it comes to relationships. And he's also, so he's gone through his own divorce as well before meeting my mom. So I think he just 
understands the pain of that for sure. And then my mom, she hasn't worked in a while, but she worked in marketing for a really long time at different magazines and stuff. Yeah. Well, they sound like they're lovely. And I'm so glad that you have that support (laughs) system. To your point, it's like no one envisions that they're going to deal with a breakup post high school with their parents, but it sounds like it was actually kind of a great scenario. Yeah, definitely. I think it would have been nice if I was, because I was quarantining with friends and it would have been nice to be with them too. And I think they would have handled it totally well, but it was, it's an extra comfort to be with your parents when you go through something big or traumatic in your life. And it's funny, like whenever I've gone through even a mini breakup since then, my dad will always be like, come over. It's okay. Like, come over, stay over for a few days, come back. They just want to take care of me and comfort me, which is really sweet. That is really sweet. I love that. Oh, love a supportive (laughs) parent. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) So one thing that stood out is that you wanted to get this like closure from this person and he wouldn't engage in a dialogue with you. And it was actually a little triggering to hear that because I had an ex where we actually broke up twice. The first time he broke up with me and it was literally as we were like driving back from my friend's engagement party and I was driving and he breaks up with me during the drive and I dropped him off. And he just like kind of similarly was just like, yeah, like I can't talk about this right now. And I think for maybe a day I was like, okay, but can we talk? And then I was just very much like, whatever, it's fine. I'm going to accept it. We don't have to talk after this. Then the second time I broke up with him and Conversely, it was just so wild to juxtapose our approaches to being broken up with because I felt like I gave a lot of runway. I tried to give a lot of explanation. I tried to be very empathetic. And he would just keep calling me and trying to talk through things. And it was not productive and it dragged out the process a lot longer than it needed to be. So I would love to get your thoughts on clearly, like, neither of those are the ideal scenario for communicating after a breakup. Like, it's some happy medium. From your perspective, what do you think is the best approach in terms of like staying in contact and talking through things in a way that's actually helpful to both parties? Yeah, it's such a good question. I think closure is really important, but you don't always get it from the other person. And a lot of times you have to get it from yourself. And that is a hard lesson that I had to learn going through this experience and recent experiences even where I've definitely dated very maybe egotistical or narcissistic people who don't understand that certain feelings are being hurt or emotions are being involved, very avoidant attachment style type people. And it's tough because the more that you push and the more that you try and engage those types of people, the more they're going to pull away. And so in my experience, After having that conversation, having closure with that person, hopefully you leave on a decent note. I know my last little breakup that I had over the summer was super amicable. Well, it wasn't, but the last conversation that we had was very much we were on the same page and (laughs) kind of left the door open for a potential later connection. But it was very clear that he was the one to reopen that door because he was the one who wronged me first. And so he said, and he also said that he needed time because he clearly had very strong feelings for me, but didn't know what he really wanted in life. That was a totally different scenario. And I really think it just goes along with specific people. My rule of thumb is 
if someone has mentally, emotionally, or physically abused you, it is a hundred percent your responsibility to block that person out of your life forever. You need to close that door. I hundred percent. I know people have very strong opinions on the left or right side of blocking. I am a blocker. I just personally think that you get rid of people who have wronged you and don't serve your purpose or depleting your energy. I'm a big energy person. So any pull that we have towards someone, even if it's through a phone, even if we have that possibility of their number popping up, seeing their name light up our phone again, even following them on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. I just think it's going to be a constant trigger, as you kind of mentioned. And triggers can be good things. I think those triggers can, I think, set us back when we have the advantage now with technology to literally just cut ties. I think that is actually a benefit of technology. And some people might see that as really harsh or, oh, that's crazy. Why would you do that? But I think when we cut that energy off, we open up our energy for something better and something new to come our way. I love that so much. And I will say on the record, I'm actually not a blocker in like the hard sense of the word. Like I've definitely had someone where I have deleted their number so that I wouldn't text this person. This was like in college where it was like a drunken, like, oh, maybe I'll text them. And I just wanted to have that extra step to remind myself like, no, 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 like you're not supposed to be doing that. Or what I have done is this was the same person actually. So it was, you know, a long time ago when we were still a little more active on Facebook. And I remember when we weren't talking anymore. I was just like, I don't think that I need to see this person pop up on my timeline, God forbid, with a new girl that he's dating. And so I didn't block him, but I did turn off any notifications from this person. Because again, I think there are times when I don't really care if I see someone pop up, it's not going to impact me, but you just have to be self-aware of if it's a time when it would be beneficial to prevent that from creeping back in and making you have a few steps back in terms of your recovery. So yeah, I love that approach to just being really self-aware about what you need in the moment. Yeah, it's important to know what you need. And again, afterwards, the closure part with yourself, I think is really just throwing yourself back into things that bring you joy, things that bring you happiness, focusing on what I call the self-ship is just really, yeah, like what lights you up rather than not talking about your job, not talking about the possibility of romance again, or the romance that you had with this person. Who are the friends that you love to hang out with? What do you like to do? What are you? Wow. I love to just like go for a walk every day. I love to like put on awesome music all the time, just have dance parties in my apartment. How do you like rebuild that confidence through activities that bring you joy? Mm Mm-hmm. That is so important. And I love Matthew Hussey's advice just overall. I think he's amazing. And one thing that he said, I think maybe the first time I ever heard of him, it was on another podcast and he was talking about core confidence and he explains it in a much more in-depth way. But the gist of it is that you need to have confidence from a variety of things that make you who you are. Because if you base your whole identity on one thing, so to your point, it could be your job, or to be a little more relevant to the topic of this podcast, it could be a relationship. If that thing falters, then you're just left not knowing who you are, feeling like you're totally broken and useless versus if you've cultivated a life where you feel like I can be confident because of X, Y, Z, ABC, whatever, 
then if one of those things falls through, you still have everything else to remind you of who you are and like maintain that happiness essentially. So I love that so much. I love that as well. Yeah, he's great. I love his advice too. Amazing. So kind of going back to closure, I completely agree with what you said. A lot of times you have to create your own closure. And I would actually sometimes go so far as to say, you kind of always have to create your own closure because even if someone tries their best, I just feel like you're never a hundred percent going to accept it. Like you mentioned, you were grieving both literally and hypothetically with this breakup. And I feel like a breakup is a source of grief. And so going through those stages of grief, one of them is bargaining. So if someone's like, well, it's not going to work because of these three things, I feel like the natural instinct is to be like, no, 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 like it can work. Like we can work through this thing this way, or I can change this thing about myself. And so even if they give you a very valid reason, I feel like it's not until you kind of like come to that closure within yourself that you're able to fully move on. And also if they don't give you a good reason, then you're just left out to dry unless you're able to give that to yourself. Sometimes they don't know why they don't want to be with you. Or sometimes they do know, but they're not trying to hurt your feelings or they know that what they have to say isn't something that you can change. It's not going to be productive. And so they just give you some like BS lines. So yeah, I feel like it's very important to create that own closure. And I guess in addition to cultivating hobbies, how would you recommend that people can go about creating their own closure after a breakup? Yeah, that's such a good question. And it's something that I definitely still struggle with sometimes. I think going through a breakup, either from me breaking up with someone or being broken up with, I think the most important thing, first of all, is to remember that you need to feel You need to give space for your feelings and emotions before you can even get to that point of thinking or making a plan as to what your closure journey is going to be. And to that end, I think closure journeys are different from relationship to relationship. So first things first, noticing whatever comes up for you is valid. Sitting in those thoughts and sitting in those feelings and saying hello to them and inviting the tears as much as they come and not telling yourself that this isn't worth my time or this isn't something I should be spending my time on or it's not worth it right now or I can't think about this right now. No, you need to make time for it because the longer you're going to push those things off, the longer your process is going to be for grieving your relationship. So that's first and foremost. And then after that, as you kind of pull out sort of of this space, I literally encourage you to be on your couch for three days, grieving your relationship. I think that is a valid, spend a weekend crying your heart out and eating junk food and you should be comforting yourself. But after that, I think it's really, yeah, just delving headfirst into a sort of plan almost, or like focusing on some sort of goal, maybe something different, not relationship related, obviously that's probably going to be on the back burner in your mind for a while anyway. So putting your energy and time into something completely new, maybe a new hobby, something you've been putting off for a while or a project you've been working on and really just pouring your heart into it. Obviously, if you have really close friends around you, they might break you out and say, come out with us and let's go dancing or let's go out to dinner or something. So just filling your days with activities that make you happy and surrounding yourself with people that make you happy is just super important. And 
yeah, I think those are the things that I've done. And then, you know, it's the point that it's different relationship to relationship because it is right. Like for this relationship, it was just so messed up the way that he ended it, that it was very different from a short-lived relationship that maybe was two months long or one month long, or I've had many situationships. I feel like I'm in a situationship right now and it's just super confusing. And so being in that space and bringing up those conversations or having that those kinds of closure conversations can feel a lot less intimidating when you've spent less time with someone and there's no label on it per se as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically this is like on my end going to be a Matthew Hussey fan account or fan podcast episode, because one of the things you said also reminded me of one piece of advice. And you were talking about how you focus on building up other areas of your life. And he had this great analogy where like if an athlete gets hurt, like you're not going to go out and try to work out the body part that you injured, but their rehab plans are always around like, okay, how can I strengthen the rest of my body so that when I'm ready to get back out there, like those parts have an atrophied. So to your point, it's like, you're not going to go out and start trying to date and find a new relationship after a couple of weeks, but you can build up other parts of yourself so that you are a stronger and like more complete holistic person when you are ready to date. And I feel like some other things that really help for me, I feel like reflecting on the things that you didn't love about them, you kind of maybe just accepted them because you loved them and really just taking solace in the fact that you don't have to deal with that anymore because there are always going to be some things. Nobody is perfect. And so there are times where you're like, yeah, I don't love this thing about this person, but they're my person. And so I will put up with it. I'll learn to embrace it. And just really reveling in the fact that that's not your problem anymore. And also taking the time to be fully selfish, which I think kind of plays back into what you were saying about building up the other areas of your life that maybe weren't as big of a focus while you were in this relationship. So love everything that you said. Yeah, I love that point too. And that's something that I was commenting on an Instagram post today about because I love to read what people say in relation to dating advice, like Matthew Hussey or anyone that's out there. And so someone was talking about the biggest gift that we get from a breakup is actually realizing what we don't want. Mm -hmm. I think that is honestly such a revelation. I believe that We only go into each experience or each relationship with what we know, with what we've had in our past, with what we come with, with our own experiences and our own life perspective. The Liana way to react to a breakup is different than Liana reacting to a breakup the first time. I'd never gone through that experience before, but now having gone through so many, little or big, it's like each time gets a little easier because I kind of understand, know what to expect. Obviously, those feelings are still intense and I'm still going to be feeling loss and discomfort, but I have the tools now. I have the words to use and I know what I need to express and get off my chest if I'm doing the talking or vice versa. So that's one thing. And I think we date someone, we reflect on everything that they weren't and kind of reassess, okay, well, beforehand, we were actually looking for this kind of person, but this actually wasn't okay with us. And this didn't jive with us. So your, your needs and your wants kind of change right from there. And you kind of make a new list. And then let's say you go back out and date and you meet someone 
not to say that you're going to look for someone completely different, because obviously there's going to be a big foundation that's the same across the board. So you meet someone, they're kind of similar, and the same red flag comes up, the same thing that (laughs) the person you initially dated that you broke up with or broke up with you did. And so you have a choice now. You can say, okay, yeah, I'm going to fall into the same pattern and like fool me once, shame (laughs) on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of situation. Or you can look this person straight in the eye and be like, "Mm, yeah, thank you, next. We're going to pass on that one. Because when we do that, it's like they're sending us a message. It's like, hey, you can fall into the same pattern. You can keep going down this rabbit hole and like attracting the same kinds of people. (laughs) If you have the strong will to say no, I promise you that you will be on a different path and be connected to a different kind of person. Yes. As Randy Jackson would say, for that reason, I'm out. It's your chance to just like run away rather than making the same mistake again. Easier said than done. I will admit, I'll be the first one to say that. But yeah, it's like when you really take a step back, it is like your clear test. And so I'm going to nerd out for a little bit. I was a bio major. And one of the things that I loved about learning about the scientific method there's this tenet of it where you can never prove anything true. You can only prove things false. I think it kind of applies to everything and that goes with dating, right? So it's like, you can't prove what type of person is gonna be right for you. But like you said, as you go through those relationships that don't work out and you have some breakups, you slowly get to piece together the things that didn't work. And then that helps you get closer to figuring out what you do actually need, what will be a good fit. 100%. And have I gone back to the same person twice? 100%. I've done all those things. I did. I literally (laughs) did that last year. It's not like I'm this superwoman person who hasn't made those decisions. But for me, turning back to the same person twice, I have my own opinions about that too, because I do think I need to be shown a second time. It's like a wake up call for real. Because I think the first time you kind of give someone the benefit of the doubt, you're like, okay, they did really wrong us. And then they circle back months later and you think, oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's possible. (laughs) They could change. They could be a changed person. They could realize their mistakes. They could have been going through something on a personal end that I just didn't know about at the time. And so I like to see the glass half hole. I like to think that most people are genuine And yes, a lot of times it's not the case. And I also think it's interesting when you see someone again and you look at them and you think, what did I even see in this person the first time? And then it's almost like a revelation for you and you kind of have the power in the situation. You're like, well, we're here. We can just have a good time. And then I know that I'm okay leaving and never seeing you again. Yeah. You don't have to kind of wonder what if. And I think that it really also goes along with being an empathetic person because to your point, You want to assume the best. And a lot of times when these people come back, they're not coming back being like, well, nothing has changed, but hopefully you've lowered your standards, right? Like either genuinely or in a manipulative way, they're coming back to be like, I know I did this thing wrong, but I'm better. And here's why you should date me again. So, I mean, I think the opposite side of it is when you become like super hardened and like you don't give anyone the benefit of the doubt and that's not a way to live either. Then you kind of close yourself off to some opportunities. And I think about, you know, like I'm not a perfect person. I have made mistakes myself. I will say like I've never tried to get somebody back. I think that really speaks to just like the different ways that women and men approach the decision to break up with someone. Like I think once we've ended it, we're like, we're over it. 
whereas men are like a little more rash with their decision-making and might have regrets. That could be a whole other topic. But I will say like I've made mistakes and I wouldn't want someone to be like, well, she did this one thing once. And so she must be like this nine years later or anything like that. Yeah, so true. I've also never reached out to a guy. I've never drunk texted anyone. I've never reached a back out and been like, why didn't you choose me? Let's meet up again. I miss you. Like that is just so, it's almost like, I think, yeah, guys are just desperate when they do that, honestly. (laughs) And then I say to myself, then why did you go? Why did you meet up? (laughs) But (laughs) I know, God, but it feels so much cringier to be the person to reach out, at least from my perspective. I'm just like, I don't want that. Yeah. It's, I think for me being on the receiving end, it's like, oh, you finally woke up and realized how amazing I am. Cool. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like flattering. You're like, yeah, thank you for acknowledging I was right. I knew all along, but I'm glad that you got there. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So going along the path of like, okay, nobody is perfect. And like, we've all made mistakes and handled dating things in a way that maybe we would differently if we had the chance to redo. Have you yourself ever had any breakups where you're like, oh, I wish I had done this differently. Or maybe you like ghosted somebody and this is a judgment-free zone. Like it's not a like gotcha moment, but just like from a self-reflection standpoint. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I've definitely been through experiences that me now probably wouldn't have done. I used to live in regret a lot before I started therapy over a year ago. And through therapy, I've really worked through this concept of there's no regret you can't change the past. There's only learning experiences and growth. And, you know, my head used to hit the pillow every night and I would agonize over things that happened 10, 15 years ago. You know, those little things that probably nobody remembers in your life, but you. And (laughs) yeah, I definitely, I mean, when I was a lot younger and was a super awkward child and didn't know what the heck I was doing when it came to relationships I remember even my first official date that I went on in high school with this guy from another school that I met at a house party. And I just remember not being attracted to him at all. And we met on New Year's and then he took me out on a date and he tried to kiss me goodbye. And I was like totally skeeved out. I was not into it. But I actually did call him and I told him I broke up with him over the over the phone. But okay, we went on one date, guys. Like, but you were in high school. Yeah, no, honestly, that's... <laughs> completely acceptable. But yeah, I feel like from a really, from right away, it was like, I just wanted to be a respectful person when it came to breakups and stuff like that. And I'm trying to think, I mean, there've definitely been times where I have maybe felt like I could have fought for someone more maybe, or like, I remember I had this really intense connection. It was like the first person that I really truly felt like I loved like probably the only person well that's not true but like I I didn't say it I feel like I've loved people and haven't said it to them but this was the first person it was like one of those soulmate moments where I met this person my sophomore year of college and we had this insane connection like literally I remember sitting in the cafeteria with him and he literally would say I feel like I've met you before. We've had this conversation. And I, it was like, he took the words out of my mouth because I would feel the same way every time I was with this person. And it was tough because I didn't realize he was going through his own mental health stuff. And 
at the time didn't know a lot about mental health. And so it was frustrating for me because I didn't really understand, nor did he make an effort to fully explain. He kind of just fell off the face of the earth and it was really painful, but I kind of wish I actually, I think I ended up blocking him. He gave me closure months later, maybe left the door open with that person and potentially saw where it went or at least maybe knowing that he was going through a really difficult time, just kind of showed up at his door. Like I remember this one night I was like, should I just go? Should I just like show up at his apartment and, you know, just give him a hug and like be there for him and show him that I would be there. And I didn't do it. Not that I regret it, but I feel like that's one, it's kind of like the one that got away sort of feeling. But I think the thing that I took away from that experience was that I know that feeling exists, like that, that intensely strong connection you can have with someone like that exists on this earth. And it was literally like the first person I've ever met that I had a crush on, like an intense crush on in my life. And so like knowing that that exists, like right off the bat in my dating life, like it is possible to find that again. That is really a powerful experience. And I feel like it's so important to have that realization because I feel like when you don't feel that and you kind of go through a lot of mediocre dates, a lot of mediocre connections, it could be easy to say, well, maybe this is as good as it gets. So it's important to have those connections that you can look back to and say, no, no, it is out there. This is what I'm striving for. It's just a great reminder to not lower your standards. So as much as it can hurt for those things to end, I do feel like they still serve such an important role in your dating life. I totally agree. And something that I try to practice is just journaling or having something to hold me accountable when things go badly with a relationship or a dating situation, whether it be venting to my friends or writing in my journal and actually having a physical copy and a physical outline of what happened in my own words. And then if you just continue to push and push away the reality of the situation, you literally have a record of how you felt and what happened that you can look back on, or people have this record of you talking to them for hours on end about this person. And yeah, that's something that I'm definitely in that state of because it's just like my mom always says, when you meet the right person, you won't question anything. It will be easy. And I can say every time in my life that I have seriously dated someone, it's easy. It's just simple. Yeah, exactly. And I know we talked about this on your podcast, but I feel like oftentimes the media doesn't make it seem like it should be. Like we really romanticize these like, Blair and Chuck Bass or like Carrie and Big or I don't know, some other toxic couple where it's just so up and down and it makes you feel like those highs and lows are something that you should strive for when in reality, that is a very exhausting way to lead your life. Totally. A hundred percent agree. I think, yeah. I mean, I grew up with Disney movies, I think from the get-go, especially as a young girl watching the idea of my Prince Charming will come this perfect person is just going to plop into my life. It's going to be so easy (laughs) and there's going to be singing animals (laughs) and that's just not the case. And I, yeah, I think Disney films obviously now are shifting a lot, but in back in the day, 
I think painted a very false reality without realizing, I think they were trying to create this really beautiful world for little kids. When in reality, those are the things that really stick and make a foundation because for me, you know, especially as a theater major and someone who studied film and and screenwriting, I personally absolutely love film and, and TV. I have so many characters that have influenced my life. Those stories are so impactful watching. I mean, yeah, Sex in the City, even a couple years ago when I watched the series for the first time, <laughs> One Tree Hill when I was in high school, Skins, the UK version, mm-hmm. obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Friday Night Lights. Gosh, there's so many that these characters were like part of me. And I feel like I took so much from those stories. And I think a lot of, you know, as I got older, I kind of realized that these stories were were real. Like these were people that I could relate to, you know, not that I believed they were actually 15 when they were acting at 25, but <laughs> <laughs> the legitimate story was something that, I resonated with and I felt like I went through those feelings and that angst and like the same experiences they were they were going through. And so yeah, I think it's tough that the media portrays or puts such an intense emphasis on the one finding the romance, putting especially in the tabloids and you know people magazine and stuff just oh like spotted. <laughs> oh JLo and Ben Affleck back together. Really romanticizing getting back with your ex. Yeah, totally. So yeah. And then there's just a lot of poor dating advice out there in general. And I think that's something that can be tricky nowadays with social media is that everyone has a voice and everyone can be an influencer and everyone can be a celebrity. And so having everyday people without credentials just become famous by spewing these ridiculous one-liners about dating they should not be qualified for. And yet People, a lot of people know it's a joke, but a lot of people actually fall for it. And so there's a lot of, oh my God. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people on TikTok that, which is why I don't really use TikTok is just (laughs) because I'm like, what the hell are these people saying? And it's like, they have millions of followers. And a lot of people are just like, yes, totally agree. Yeah, for sure. And like a lot of it, I think is catered towards men, this really you know, kind of playboy mentality, blah, 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 playing it cool, whatever, whatever, or for girls. And then, yeah, same goes for Instagram. I think it's just a constant rabbit hole of false information. Yeah, it really is. And I feel like sometimes when I'm procrastinating, one of the ways I do so is by not only scrolling through Instagram, but if I see a post where I'm like, I already feel like I know what the comments are going to be, or I'm waiting to see who's going to be the person who takes this literally or who picks apart this one thing that the post wasn't even about and go to the comment section. And it is fascinating to just see the way that people spiral and misinterpret things and just like work themselves into a tizzy. And and it's like, it's funny because I'm kind of like judging them being like, it's really not that serious. But then here I am just like eating popcorn and reading the comments. So how much better am I? I don't know, but it's a different story. So true. (laughs) So I feel like a lot of our discussion has been around not ideal breakups to say the least. So from your perspective, like it sounds like you were a very mature person when it came to having those confrontational discussions, even in high school, which I cannot even say the same of myself back then. So what tips do you have? And like, 
what do you think makes an ideal breakup conversation fully recognizing the fact that no breakup is ideal because someone is getting hurt, but how can you make it as pain-free as possible? For sure. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. And I think even as I've done the podcast and just asked people different advice and opinions, because I've gone through many breakups while recording the podcast. And so for me, I have some rules, I guess, first of all. So if you've been dating someone somewhere between one to three dates, send a text and just say something like, Hey, I've had a really great time. I'm just not interested in pursuing this. Or I just don't feel any romantic connection. That's something I've used because that's happened. And I just try to be as honest as possible. After that point, like I said, around that month mark, maybe month, month and a half, I think a phone call will suffice. And then after that, definitely in person, you've invested too much time to not give that person your time and energy and be courteous. So, yeah, I think when preparing for those conversations, obviously, the phone call, I don't think needs to be anything more than that. Just, you know, I've been thinking and I don't really see this going anywhere. It's, you know, been great getting to know you and you don't owe someone a really big explanation at that point. If you are meeting someone in person, or I guess backtracking a little bit, when you do start having those feelings of, oh, I do want to break up with someone. I think the most important thing is to just do it as quickly as possible. Have that conversation as quickly as possible. Do not prolong that because you're just not only hurting the other person, you're hurting yourself and you're not being true to yourself. And that is equally as awful and painful. So yeah, just as quickly as possible, schedule that time in. I think, you know, I've toyed around a lot with like, do you hint at it? Do you pull away with your communication? Blah, blah, blah. But I think as quickly as you can kind of say, Mm -hmm. hey, let's meet up for coffee or go for a walk on X day or like, I've broken up with someone like I invited them over to my apartment and like knew I was going to break up with them. Obviously, that's might feel to them like frustrating and kind of a waste of time. But like, I think the most important thing about a breakup is that it needs to if you are the one breaking up, it needs to be on your terms and it needs to be in a space where you feel comfortable. If you feel the most comfortable in your apartment, that's where you should have that conversation. If you feel the most comfortable going for a walk and not walking into someone's apartment, that's where you should have that conversation. Obviously differs from person to person and relationship to relationship. So you make that decision, you set a time to meet that person most hopefully in the next like 24 to 48 hours, and then spend time just writing your thoughts out, kind of doing a brain dump of your feelings, what you felt about the relationship as a whole what isn't working for you? And then kind of rereading that, picking apart three things that you want to get across in your conversation. And that's kind of a rule of thumb that I use for any difficult conversation is just writing something out. I recommend pen to paper and then just looking back over and then kind of getting the angry feelings out and the sad feelings out first, and then kind of making a more concrete list of, okay, these are really the three things that I want to say There's no right way, I don't think, to start the conversation. You know, meet them in person, just be like, hey, I have to get these feelings off my chest. This is what I'm thinking. I didn't want to make you wait any longer. And then, like, honestly, they might not even ask for more. But if they do ask for more, you have points prepared that you can turn to. So that's my piece of advice. 
This is the best and most comprehensive breakup advice I've ever heard. So thank you so much for sharing that. (laughs) I'm just reflecting on my breakups when I was younger. And like on Liana's podcast, I talked about a breakup where I literally realized I might not want to be with this person in July and I didn't break up with them until October. So that is a great example of what not to do. And yeah, just not dragging it out, I think is really important. It would have saved me a lot of heartache, honestly. Yeah, it's all learning. Yeah, exactly. That was my scientific method. Like, okay, this is what not to do moving on. And I would love to hear your thoughts on like, how, how do you kind of strike the balance of letting someone down easy, but not giving them false? Because in the past, both with that breakup that I dragged out and with some less serious breakups where I was like, there's nothing wrong with this person. I'm just not feeling it. In the past, I kind of gave some more vague reasons or maybe not vague, but it was more like, I'm not in a place where I can commit to this. And I was thinking if I were to receive that message, I would be like, okay, this person isn't interested. This is just their way of saying it without hurting my feelings. But they reached out like a month later, two months later to be like, are you in a place now where you can be in a relationship? So it backfired. And I would love to hear your thoughts on like, how nice do you be? without it being counterproductive? Yeah, for sure. No, it's such a good question. I think the whole, yeah, using the, oh, this isn't a right time in my life kind of situation. And sometimes that is true. I'm not saying timing is very important. And I've, I've had this conversation with people that I've been in relationships with that kind of leaving the door open, like I said, as maybe one day, but I think if you know for sure that this is not going to be the person ever, 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 and you don't want them reaching back out in a romantic sense, then I think it's important to say something like, I really don't see this going anywhere with you. And that's a tough pill for the other person to swallow. Not saying, I think if someone said that to me, I'd be like, oh, what's wrong with me? And have that moment for sure, of course. But it does create that finite line and cut that tie and say to that this person, Yeah, you and I, no. And if I've definitely been in situations, I remember this person in college that it wasn't even like I dated this person. I hung out with them a couple of times because it's college. And I was telling them like, hey, I'm not like, I don't feel this. I I don't want to do this anymore. And he would not let it go. He literally, we had, I kid you not, Leslie, I think it was three hour conversation. And I'd hung out with this person maybe four times. And I felt absolutely no connection to to this person. It was like the start of the school year. I was literally just beginning to like (laughs) explore myself more, whatever, whatever. And it was like, bro, just stop. But we lived in the same dorm, which is also bad news bears. But (laughs) lesson learned. And it's just... I think to a point, if someone just continues going down that path of forcing an answer out of you more than what you say, it's just me and you, no, we are not going to work and you are not going to convince me otherwise and standing your ground. Yeah, it's so important. And I'm not great at confrontation. I've gotten a little better at it over the years, but yeah, I think it's just really something to work through. It gets easier as you kind of force yourself into that situation, but Yeah. I think also as I was going through this 
past experience of being like, oh, like I'm just going to give a generic answer. And again, I wasn't trying to be manipulative or anything like that. I really was just like, I don't have anything to say about why it's not you. I just know it's not you. So like, why would I be like, oh, you give me the ick or I don't want to make out with you. You know, like none of that's helpful. It's hard. I think when you haven't even established something with someone, you know, like this was somebody who I wasn't exclusive with, but clearly some people need a little bit more closure from you than others, regardless of how serious you are. So I think that's important to remember. Yeah, for sure. And that's, yeah, I'm definitely in this state right now with the person I'm dating. That's just, I'm so questioning and know that I need to have a conversation with this person, but our timeline has just been so bizarre. And so the amount of time that we've been talking and texting, but actually meeting up in person has been so different. Like we've been texting for about three months, but only met up in person like three times. Mm, And so it's being in this in-between state, not really knowing what the person is looking for. And I think that's something that we talked about when you were on my podcast was normalizing this in-between conversation, right? This conversation of Mm -hmm. not the DTR conversation, defining the relationship, but normalizing the hey, are we on the same page conversation? Like, are you looking for what I'm looking for? Is your end goal the same as mine? Because I think right now what I'm feeling is just confusion. I'm getting mixed signals and I need to be 100% honest with this person because if I don't, I'm not being truthful to myself. And, but yeah, it's just one of those things where it's strange because we haven't really established a strong, like, phone call conversation. He's traveling all the time. And so it's like, when do I even know when you're available? I'm just going to wing it and Mm -hmm. call you kind of thing. But yeah, I'm just a planner. So I like to know when. (laughs) Honestly, same. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I were more spontaneous, but I have come to terms with the fact that I am just not. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. So I know earlier you described it as a situationship. So is that description kind of based on a mismatch in the amount of time that you've invested versus the amount of times that you've actually met in person or are there other complicating factors there? Yeah, I guess I describe a situationship whenever you're kind of in an unclear or mis- yeah, mismatched situation where I don't know what he's looking for. He doesn't know what I'm looking for. We've never discussed it. Our timelines have been very different. He's traveling a lot with his friends and whatever. And he's been the one to continually text me every day, sometimes multiple times a day, even when he's been traveling. So he set the precedent, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I've always been the one to initiate meeting up. Yeah. Cause we met through mutual friends and engagement party. So it's a great way to meet people. We hit it off. I thought he was super cute. So I'm from across the room kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And then I'm getting endorsements, right? From both sides. Like his friends are like, oh, you and you and this guy like really hitting it off. And then my friends are like, he's such good people. So I'm like, oh my gosh, well, I have to see where this is going to go. And then when we do hang out, finally, it's like amazing and super fun. We have great conversation again, like constant communication and like ask me questions and like, what's going on in your life? And like, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like a month goes by till I see this person again, but we've been talking this entire time and it just feels, and then like when we do finally get to the point, it's like me 
initiating and saying, are you free like this time? And he's like, oh, I might be free this time. And like, he's, I get the sense he's very like go with the flow, like spontaneous kind of person, but I'm not like that. Mm -hmm. So, which he doesn't know again, but I'm trying to be like flexible and like, oh, like this doesn't work for me, but we can do this. And like, I have some ideas on what we can do. Like if he's not a planner, like I love planning dates, let me plan the date. Mm-hmm. but I'm getting frustrated with the lack of investment that I feel on his end. And I think that's unfair because it makes me feel like this is just a casual thing or he's just kind of like leading me on or keeping me around because it's like nice to talk to someone, but I don't really know what he's looking for. And be like, this would, you know, with a three month mark, it would be the point of like, are we going to be in a relationship or not? But because we've only met up so many times, it's like, is this going to be just a really long dating period? Or is this a means to no end? Hmm. That is so difficult. And I feel like that's something that so many of us had to deal with during the pandemic also, like anyone who was dating. Yeah. Because yeah, it's just like, you're not working on that normal timeline where you're like, okay, I now feel justified bringing this up after X number of months or weeks or whatever you feel comfortable with. It's like, there's so many other factors that can be a hindrance to communication and bonding. So that's really tough. Yeah, totally. And it's definitely a a situation, like I say, situation, it's something that I've never navigated before. I've never been in a dating experience like this. And so like what to my point before, you know, I have a lot of tools for different dating experiences that I've been through for long-term or short-term or a couple weeks or these breakups and things like that. But well, it's funny. I actually did call up someone that I was receiving mixed messages from a few months ago and literally was just like, Hey, mixed messages, what's up? And let him talk. And it was the most enlightening mm-hmm. conversation I've mm-hmm. ever had from a guy in my life that I just started hanging out with. And yeah, it was really beautiful. So I feel like I'm going to do the same thing with this dude and just be like, hey, mixed messages, what's up? And I just let him talk because I think in the past, I've definitely blamed or pointed fingers like, oh, you're not giving me enough attention or like, you're like, you're not treating me the way that I deserve and blah, blah, blah. Like, which is true. but. I need to put the ball in his court and like let him speak his mind rather than pointing fingers. Because like I said, we don't know what anyone's going through and he could be going through a myriad of things. And I know he's just super busy and doing a bunch of different stuff. So I'm not trying to point fingers. Like I know what he's up to and I'm busy too. I have my own life. Mm -hmm. I'm not like waiting around over here. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I do think it's also just kind of nice to have someone speak their mind without it being colored by your thoughts, because who knows? I'm not saying this is the case of this person, but in a worst case scenario, like someone could just be like, oh, this is what she wants. So like, let me tell her this thing versus now you get an unfiltered, unbiased, honest view of where they're really at. And I think that can be so much more telling than kind of dumping out your feelings and then hearing their response. Exactly. So well said. (laughs) So one additional topic that I wanted to talk to you about was getting back out there. And I know that you said you had this eight month break from the dating apps. And I would love to hear when you decided to start dating, how did you kind of prioritize dating on the apps versus dating in real life? Was it a balance? Were you focused on one over the other? Would love to hear more about that. 
Yeah, I had a really interesting re-entry to dating, I feel like, after that eight-month break. So it was around, I remember, because it was right around when I got the vaccine, like April or May or something like that of 2021. And so, yeah, I, you know, I kind of waited the winter out. I was like, all right, I kind of started to feel the itch again, maybe in like end of February, March. But I was like, you know, I'm just going to wait till it's like warm out and everyone's going to go back outside anyway. And so I started to, yeah, just kind of like create my new profile, start matching with some people. And I watched this TED talk that my best friend showed me about this concept called the zero date, which is meeting someone on a FaceTime beforehand so that you don't A, waste your time or the other person's time, know that they're a real person, they're not catfishing you. And you can have a kind of, yeah, a zero date, like a foundation before the real date of knowing that you have a connection with this person, you have chemistry, et cetera. And I don't ever have a problem talking to people. So (laughs) I just, you know, I would exchange a little bit with someone on a dating app and then say, hey, I'm much more of like a phone call FaceTime person, which is true. Here's my number. I'd love to schedule like 10 or 15 minutes to chat in the next day. And so I would do that. And there was, I think, maybe one person that I didn't end up meeting up from that. I just didn't feel it and told them, which they were totally fine with because again, low investment. But I did go on a handful. I started going on a handful of dates and it was funny because I actually went on two days with this guy and he remembered. So we matched on a dating app. He remembered seeing me at this bar that I was at celebrating my friend's birthday, like weeks or month before. And I was like, oh, I kind of remember you. And I, at the time I was like trying to do the TikTok thing, might still go back to it, but like I was doing some for the podcast and this one particular TikTok went viral, like literally blew up at this bar and he's in the background of it. What? And so, <laughs> oh my God. Like just like a really crazy. So it kind of felt like one of these like serendipitous meant to be great, great. So we like go on a date. Our first date was actually amazing. We went to the speakeasy. And then the second day we went to dinner. And I afterwards he like went in for the kiss and I was so awkward. I literally felt like I forgot to kiss. <laughs> and I just didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I swerved completely. I got super awkward. And obviously he took that as like I wasn't interested. <laughs> to which I was like, no, no, I just like truly forgot. It's been like nine months since I've done anything with anyone. But no, I didn't explain that to him. It just kind of fizzled out. But I realized it was kind of just more of like, (laughs) wow, this cool like story, like meet cute thing, but it wasn't really going to be anything. But I think for me, it was definitely like a slow burn. So I went on maybe like five or six dates, like first dates or first, second dates with people. I met someone that I dated for a couple months or like a month and a half. But I traveled a lot during the summer too. So I was away and kind of just excited to be out and exploring again. And subsequently, literally closed the chapter on that guy that I did for like a month and a half. Then went back on the dating apps, matched with a couple of people, went on one date, ended up dating him for about two months. And then after that, since then, since August, since breaking up with that person, I Mm -hmm. have pretty much only dated in person. I haven't been on a dating app date since that guy, I guess the first date with him was in like July. 
So wow, so wild. I know. I've hardly used them. I'm much more of an in-person person. I just started really putting my energy out there and feeling a lot more confident. Like I could meet someone anywhere, which is so true. Mm-hmm. I literally actually met someone off on the subway a couple weeks ago. And I just like struck up a conversation with them and was like, what book are you reading? And then we got a drink, like literally like a few stops later. Wait, a few stops later, like you guys were both like, let's get a drink right now. Yeah. What? I know. Okay. That is amazing. That's so like New York meet cute. It was. It was funny because I wasn't like, I was actually coming from a singles event and I'd met some people there. I was by myself. I was going home, but I was still like feeling it. I was like, I'm feeling good tonight. I dressed up, whatever. And I saw this guy and he just looked like, I remember he was like heavily sighing. (laughs) And so I just wanted to kind of ask if he was okay, but he had this book and there was like no one on the subway. So I just opened with like, what book are you reading? Do you like it? And found out like we hit it off, but I realized I was like, "Eh, that's more of like a friend. Mm -hmm. And he was a couple years younger, so I wouldn't be interested anyway. But Mm -hmm. we ended up having a great time and went to a new bar I'd never been to. And it was, yeah, it was super cute and sweet. But yeah, I've just been way more open to the potential of meeting someone out wherever that may be with friends versus oh, like it has to be out when I'm at a bar or like going dancing, like when people are inhibited and drinking and all this stuff, like I could literally meet someone on the subway. I met someone like at a nineties night, like I met someone at an engagement party. I met someone at my friend's Mm -hmm. house watching Survivor. Like you just (laughs) never know where you're going to meet someone. So I think something that I think we talked about too, is just this idea of no expectations, but having the open-minded mentality of just who knows what's going to happen yeah, and being okay with it either way. I love that so much. And yes, we talked about that in depth on your podcast. I think it's so important to remind people not to put that pressure on themselves as someone who found myself putting so much pressure on myself to meet someone every time I went out and then it kind of souring the night sometimes, which is really unfortunate. Like you should be able to enjoy the night regardless of the outcome. And like, not view the bar as just an extension of the dating app. So love that. Totally. So I feel like there's been so many amazing tidbits from this. I could pick your brain all day, but I also want to play a game with you. So in the interest of time, I have a little game that I want to propose before we close out. And it's a quick, would you rather? And so obviously the theme of this has been how not to break up with someone. So I've compiled a couple of ridiculous breakup scenarios and would love to hear your thoughts on which one you would prefer. Obviously, understanding that they're both pretty awful. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this because I love games. Okay, let's go. <laughs> oh yes, me too. Okay, so would you rather be broken up with immediately before your birthday or immediately after you've celebrated together or like a day or two either direction? Oh my God, this one's so painful because I've had like so many instances where I'm dating someone around my birthday and like they don't follow through and like meet up with me. Like they get cold feet. They're like, I don't want to meet your friends. Like it's too soon, blah, 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 or like whatever. So I think uh, the hope that I've had waiting for someone to show up on my birthday, I feel like is not worth it. So I'd say before. Yeah. Yeah. I actually totally agree. I have been broken up with before my birthday. It was the same breakup I had where the guy like broke up with me after the engagement party and my birthday was like a few days after. And I will say it did put like a serious damper on my birthday. I was like very naive and I was like, 
maybe he'll send me flowers to apologize. That didn't happen. (laughs) But yeah, I just don't feel like there's a good time. So it's like, to your point, if you're feeling it, just do it. Because the worst thing would be to celebrate with that person and then have them be like, I can't believe you led me on and celebrated with me only to break up with me after. So yeah, like I'd rather not feel like I'm waiting out throughout my whole birthday and having this, this false hope. And then literally right after being like, oh, I had all these butterflies in my stomach all day for nothing versus, you know, if I had plans to go out and like go dancing, like I might meet someone. I literally, I love my birthday. I would literally shout to the whole bar. Like it's my freaking birthday. (laughs) Who is going to kiss me right now? So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like not having that option, I would just be really pissed. (laughs) Yeah. Like they would really rob you of a great opportunity. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Would you rather that they break up with you through their family member or through their best friend? Oh God. <laughs> like if they're too coward to do oh it themselves. Oh This is like so cringe. Um, <laughs> I think friend. The family is just too yeah. weird. Like, like what is it going to be like? <laughs> hey, hey, cousin Bruce, can you... <laughs> can you call Liana and break up with her for me? Because I just can't do it versus like the friend. I mean, yeah, more personal, I guess, because you probably hung out with their friend before, but like, yeah, less weird than like a distant relative or like their mom. Like, (laughs) okay, Liana, you read my mind because my follow up question, if it is a family member, would you rather it be their parent or their sibling? No, (laughs) (laughs) you're killing me. Sibling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the parent would actually be better about it though. They'd be like, I'm so sorry, sweetheart, but my son is just a complete idiot and like doesn't know what he's doing and you're amazing. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I see that. I think they'd be more comforting. would probably be like, yeah, the sibling would probably be like, I really don't know what the fuck got into Joe, (laughs) but like. No closure. But he is like off his rocker and like doesn't want to be with you. And then we'd probably like commiserate together and then it would be like really weird and uncomfortable. Very, very weird. Yeah. I feel like also it would be just like, you'd feel less obligation to like drag it out with the parent. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. So weird. You'd be like, okay, I'm going to go now. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So the last one, this is a little convoluted. And the first part of it is inspired by like a meme that I saw going around, I think like last year or something. So there's this meme, this girl texts her, I guess, ex-boyfriend. This is my favorite picture of us in 2021. And she sends a picture of just her. And then he's like, what the fuck? And she's like, I'm leaving you. (laughs) So (laughs) you'd rather they do that or they change their Facebook status. So this is like obviously a long time ago when people would do this. And it goes from in a relationship to single, but they don't even like reach out to you. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. As, oh, this one hurts so much. Um, (laughs) I'm literally like, visceral reaction over here. Probably the first, even though it's really shitty and bad humor, but (laughs) I think receiving something is better than receiving nothing at all. It is. And you know what? It is bad humor. Like it's not actually funny, but it's funny in like how ridiculous it is. So I think I would take that also. Agreed. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for being such a good sport and, you know, walking through these scenarios with me. I would love if you could plug where people can find you and your podcast before we go. Love it. Yeah. So you can find me right now at Liana Colada on Instagram and then Ghost of Dates Past on all streaming platforms. 
Apple, Spotify, and Anchor, if you just go there. And everything's in my link tree as well as well as my Instagram to that account. And I'm also, I don't know when this is coming out, but I'll have a new website by then as well. So it'll be lianapavane.com, which is crazy. Obviously it's not taken because like who has my name? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's going to be exciting. You can learn more about the events that I'm going to be putting back on and more podcast stuff, more partnership stuff there, some discount codes and what else? Yeah, I'm doing like this month-long self-ship in February. So if you want to be involved in that, DM me. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. This is coming out in early February. So that will be a perfect timing. And yeah, next trip I take to New York, I'll definitely be at one of those events. It sounds amazing. (laughs) Yay. I'd love to meet you in person. I know. Well, thank you again. And listeners, as always, you can find my podcast at Interstates and Heartbreak on Instagram and TikTok. You can find me at Leslie Nope. L-E-S-L-I-E-G-N-O-P. I literally blacked out and forgot how to spell my name for a split second. So maybe it's time to wrap this episode up. But thanks everyone for listening. And Liana, thank you again. Thank you so much, Leslie. Had so much fun. <laughs> Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.